0: Welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. And I got my trusted dog, Woody. Woody, how are you doing this beautiful day? All right. Woody's a dog, folks. Woody, he can't talk. But if he could talk, Woody would tell you to visit us on all of our media platforms with the handle, thepblpodcast.com. He would also tell you to check out our website, thepblpodcast.com, because you can find all of our handles there. You can just click on pblpodcast.com, and we're right there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm on Twitter a lot, TikTok, I'm on TikTok a lot, and of course, YouTube, and Woody would also be asking you a huge, huge favor, because remember, he's a dog, so I can't talk. He would be asking you to please, please, please go on our YouTube channel, the PBL Podcast, and Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So, thank you, Woody, for that call out. All right. In today's show, we're going to talk about uh, the Biden Kamala Harris performance. Uh, I'm going to update you on a story I did just yesterday, a one off podcast, uh, get into some polling and just a little bit, not a lot. Talk about some success Trump's having, some, uh, then we're going to the media bias. This is going to be a lot of fun. And Then we're going to have just fun at the end of this podcast and just I'm going to give you some fun facts, hopefully something that ends the show with a warm fuzzy and puts us in a great mood for this weekend coming up in the most wonderful country. That would be America, by the way, in case you are wondering. The other day, I brought you a podcast, a really quick podcast on um, Joe Biden's website. Now, I want to give an update to this. Now, what I talked about before is if you typed in it's since been deleted if you typed in antiva.com it went right to joe biden's um uh, funding page (laughs) so it it got deleted pretty quickly when people started figuring this out and put it all on their social media platforms so there's been a little bit of digging on it now and here's some information some updated information one is if you go to it i think you can still do this and it'll show you that the The site's been taken down, but the icon up in the tab still has the Joe Biden uh, campaign logo. Now, we don't know if that's Joe Biden's campaign who put it out. Nobody knows that because the people who put or who bought the Antifa website are not listed. So if you go to whois.com, I believe it's the site, you can see who owns whatever website and you if you own a website you can put yourself as anonymous and nobody can see you. So that's what they've done for this antifa.com. Now, here's the funny part. The left had a fit about this. And he, so Yahoo News uh put this out, and this will be in the show notes, uh it went on about how the the reporter from uh AON network asked Trump about this website. And, uh, you know, here's where the report this is from Yahoo News. At this At his press briefing Wednesday, President Trump, as he usually does, calls for a question from Chanel Rion, the chief White House correspondent for the conservative One America News Network, which has at times replaced Fox News as the president's favorite news outlet. Uh, Rion's question had nothing to do with COVID-19 or the economic recovery Trump had been boasting about, but instead brought up an obscure website, Antifa.com. Uh, here's a quote. I wanted to highlight a kind of odd situation. In the last hour or so, if you Googled antifa.com, it would take you straight to Joe Biden's website, his official campaign website. Odd situation, Rion said, adding, we don't know who's behind that. Uh, Rion went on to suggest the site pose an interesting leadership question for the former vice president and his running mate, Kamala Harris. So what? what the report goes on to say, or this article is that it links it to Russia. That's right. Russia. Russia. Russia apparently here it is records for antifa.com in the domain name database who is all Olo- ology.com shows the site was registered in the Russian Federation from 2013 through July starting last November the site's registration was moved to Panama the website has always been anonymously registered and its owners could not be reached for comment so that's right Russia Uh, After briefly redirecting to Biden's page on Wednesday, the site went dark. Based on copies of the site on the Internet Archive, it was blank from 2013 until June of this year when it began to feature a message in support of the protests that erupted around the U.S. following the killing of George Floyd. The The page declared, we are actively increasing membership but provided no contact information for anyone interested in joining. Uh, it said, we are Antifa. Join us and take action. So this site, Antifa.com, used to say, we are Antifa. Join us in action. Now, apparently, allegedly, we got some Russia, Russia, Russia connection. So those dastardly Russians are at it again. They are trying to disrupt our election by doing what? Well, by getting people that support Antifa to pay money to Joe Biden's campaign. What? What? Wait. What? What? E. What? What? The, the, so I'm supposed to think that this is some kind of Russian thing to help Trump? All right. All right. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny on all kind of levels, but really those dastardly Russians they'll 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 get one over on Biden. What they'll do is they'll get the Antifa kids to go on Antifa.com and direct them directly to Biden's campaign website for funding for donations that'll teach them (laughs) i guess i guess this is so you can uh have chanel rion over at uh, one America news network ask this question of trump and then that'll show everybody that biden's in with antifa absolutely absurd on all levels i mean just absurd so to try to tie this to Trump and his Russian collusion absurd. You know, I'm wondering if whoever owns this website, if they want, do they support Biden or do they just mess it with Biden? I mean, it, it the you know, to assume, and I hate when you use that word because the, the late great Benny Hill taught me to assume is to make an ass out of you and me that they were doing this in order to make Biden look bad by tying them to Antifa When you know our news media wouldn't report that, MSNBC, CNN, ABC, uh, CBS, NBC, they wouldn't report, they wouldn't have reported it. I mean, it took this from an obscure network, Chanel Rion, to ask the question at a press briefing with Trump for it to get any kind of traction. And the next thing you know, it's Russia, Russia, Russia. So just absolutely absurd, absurd, absurd. But what's more absurd is Biden, you saw this, Biden seizes on masks as a campaign issue and calls for a mandate. That's right. That's right. Biden is wanting us to wear masks. Joe Biden said wearing a mask was about uh, your responsibilities as an American. As he and his new running mate Kamala Harris draw a contrast with President Trump's handling of the Corona virus. Okay, I'm going to uh, play the video, which you probably have already seen. Most of you have. And, you know, I, I got some comments on this that I think, uh, well, there's something he says at the end. So let, let's, uh, let's take a listen. Every
1: single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. Every governor should mandate, every governor should mandate mandatory mask wearing. The estimates by the experts are it will save over 40,000 lives in the next three months. 40,000 lives. The people act responsibly. And uh, it's not about your rights, it's about your responsibilities as an American. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. The estimates are we'll save over 40,000 lives in the next three months if that is done.
2: That's what real leadership looks like. We just witnessed real leadership, which is Joe Biden said that as a nation, we should all be wearing a mask. All
0: right. So a couple of things there that were kind of telling. One is you're you're hearing a lot of people saying that Joe Biden's calling for a mandate for everybody to wear a mask. He he really didn't. He's suggesting everybody should, but then he's asking the governors to call on uh, to mandate wearing a mask because the federal government can't do this without passing legislation. The president of the United States just can't say wear a mask. Now you can do an executive order, but Joe Biden. He's saying do it for the next three months. He, in the next three months is election season, right? In three months, we'll be voting for our next president of the United States. So uh, he has absolutely no power. And the governors, he's calling on the governors. There are 26 Republican governors in the United States and 24 Democrat governors. You think those Republican governors are going to say, oh, uh, pfft, Joe Biden, you yeah, wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do the mask mandate because uh, Joe Biden's calling for it. And then forget the fact of how he sounds, by the way. He sounds horrible, and he looks even worse. Um, it's, there's something he said that I thought was extremely telling. Toward the end, he says, it's not about your rights. It's about your responsibility. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Excuse me? It's about my responsibility, not my rights? what about my rights you're gonna take my rights away because i'm i should be responsible it should be my responsibility to wear a mask because i i should just do it because you tell me you a politician you're gonna take away my right yeah that that's a scary that part right there was the scary part so it's not about rights it's about responsibility no 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 biden it is right you're 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 vying for the highest position in the land the most powerful position in the world and you're going to tell me that it's it that my responsibilities supersede my rights well who's to decide my responsibilities you me well let's say if i decide my own responsibilities and i'm wrong and do i violate now somebody else's rights yeah, this, that, that's that's the key part. That was the telling part for me. And then Kamala Harris gets up there. That's what leadership... Yeah, hey, I sound just like her, don't I? That's what leadership looks like. You know, I, I get it. The vice president picks are supposed to be, you know, there to build up the president. So she's doing exactly what she should be doing. But have you watched her performance? I mean, watch this press conference that I just uh, played. If you go back and watch the video on it, she's got that look on her face. This is just like she's sitting there smiling. And I mean, it's like a high school girl or something. It's like her performance already just from the get go to me shows how weak of a selection she is because I don't I don't. And I mean, I don't think this is going to end well for. Either one of them. I I, I think Trump's going to win. Uh, I obviously don't have a crystal ball, and I can't tell you definitively he's going to win. But I do see the performance of Biden right now, which is horrible. If you watch this press briefing, I mean, he's a tired old man, barely able to keep his words together, and he's reading his script. They took no questions, by the way, at this briefing. And then she gets up there, and she looks like a high school girl. I mean, hey, I guess it's you know it's pretty excited. You're been selected as a um uh democrat uh vice president candidate i mean it's pretty cool i'd be pretty excited and stoked as well but you're supposed to kind of hide it a little bit so i think i think she's going to get worse because she ran a horrible campaign if you go watch her performance during the primary she was horrible she didn't get one elect. one elect um a delegate vote she didn't get one tulsi gabbard got two yeah i think kamala harris performance is bad but you know the media is going to spin it politico Political voters approve Harris VP pick. Biden gets image um, bounce. And it goes on here to say a slim majority of voters, 53 percent, approve of Biden picking the California senator to join the Democratic ticket. Wait a minute. Voters. Let me see. The headline is voters approve Harris VP pick. Biden gets image bounce. A slim majority of voters. A slim majority of voters. How come they didn't put that in the headline, by the way? It's in the body of the work. A slim majority of voters, 53% approve. So uh, let's see here. Um, Biden picking California senator to join Democrat, according to political morning consulting flash poll conducted on Wednesday, the day after the selection was announced. That's significantly greater than the 29% who disapprove of Harris as Democrat's vice presidential candidate. So 53% approve. 29% disapprove. Moreover, the pick earns high marks from key constituencies, Democrats, 84%. Yeah, we didn't know that was coming. Overwhelmingly approve of Harris's selection, as do black voters, 79%. The majority of voters under thirty, age 35, 56%. The age 35, 44, 61%. And 65 and older, 55% approve of Biden's choice. Only among voters aged 45 to 65 does the pick not earn majority support. When it only among voters aged 45 to 64, that's a pretty big block of voters, she doesn't earn the majority of the pick. So, you know, I get it. I get it. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, Harris, first black female which I'm going to get into a little later because once she's not the first black female on a presidential ticket, there was actually a black female for the progressive party back in the, I think 1920s. I mean, it was a small party. So this, you know, maybe the first black female on a major platform. Yes. And then, uh, you know, we'll get into the race of Kamala Harris here as well, but there's a excellent article uh, out by the American Thinker, on uh, 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 August 14th, 2020, by Janice Shaw Krause. Kamala has already struck out. So it gives you some some strikeouts like opportunist career path. Yeah, I mean, we all know that. Look at what Willie Brown said about her. He at, He admitted outright that he promoted her because they were having an affair. Okay, Oppo- opportunist, opportunistic career path. Uh, we are. This is in the article. We are not supposed to have noticed, or it's not supposed to have made make a difference or matter. But Kamala Harris came into politics as a mistress under the patronage of the notoriously unethical Speaker of the House in California, Willie Brown. Numerous public servants in government in California at the time noted that Kamala was a pretty 20-something young woman that Brown, a married man in his 60s, regularly showed off as his mistress at political events. Okay, so we know how <laughs> she got up into power. Uh, another two, Number two, radical woke ideologies and policies. And this one's kind of amazing. I'm going to read in the article and I'll comment on this. Many anal- analysts believe that Kamala Harris will be America's most radical left political candidate ever. She's consistently among the top two progressive members of the Senate. She has been called one of the most radical left politicians today. Pick any pet woke cause and Kamala will be farthest left. These policy positions are not only constitutionally problematic, they are also prohibitively expensive with a price tag in the multiple billions of dollars. It goes on to talk about guns, healthcare, education where she is to the far, far left. In fact, she's there's an article that I've referenced uh, in a previous podcast, where in my Kamala Harris bad pick podcast, where she is farther left than Bernie Sanders. I mean, this 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 is a radical pick, and the media, the media is going on about how she's a moderate. No, she's not a moderate. She's a radical pick. She's not a moderate. She's not a moderate. She is. Far, far left on guns, healthcare, education, immigration, environment. She is a far leftist radical, but she's an opportunist far leftist radical, which makes her even that much more dangerous. Uh, From the article, the American Thinker article number three, Kavanaugh Hearings debacle. The final strike is, that the, is the most disgraceful. The way Kamala Harris treated Brett Kavanaugh at the 2018 confirmation hearings was the most disrespectful and vicious of the senators. She stood out at the hearings for her deceitful questioning and the revolting tone of her accusations. She accepted the flimmest of evidence in attacking Kavanaugh. For instance, the implausible and uns- unsubstantiated ac- accusation of gang rape and praise an obviously deceptively edited video claiming that Kavanaugh opposed birth control, claiming that it was all about punishing women. She's a far-left radical. She's an opportunist. She's a liar. And she's not very good at campaigning. This is not going to help Biden. Ultimately, this is going to hurt Biden. Kamala Harris is going to crash and burn. Now, what we're going to see, though, in the debates, if we ever get to debates, is we're going to see... Kamala Harris, all she has to do is have a passable performance, and she's going to be declared the winner by the media, because the media is biased. The mainstream media biased, and I want to get into that later, but the mainstream media is extremely biased. They're already building this woman up as some moderate, wonderful pick. She is not a moderate, wonderful pick. She is a far-left, radical pick. Uh, here's the story, um, From NBC, Black Asian American Kamala Harris identity, how it shaped her and what it means for voters. It says, advocates say that Harris' multiracial background in an arena that's long been predominantly white has the potential to resonate with voters of color who have not seen themselves reflected in such a position of power. Now, this NBC article just, just, glows on Harris, just gives her all kind of praise. It is absolutely a biased piece. Uh, Here's the opening paragraph. Before Senator Kamala Harris broke historic barriers in the ivory halls of Congress, and now on the Democratic presidential ticket, she dug into her heritage on Howard Howard University's campus, one of the most prestigiously historically black colleges in the country. She was well steeped in her heritage, both as a woman of Jamaican descent and a woman of South Asian descent, said Joe Lewis, a Dallas-based corporate attorney who attended Howard with Harris and is one of Harris' line sisters in Alpha Kappa Alpha, the historically black sorority. She would talk about what it was like to have that heritage and how she experienced it. So her mother and her father immigrated to this country. They're, They're immigrants. She was born in California. Uh, at the age of seven, her mother and her father divorced and her mother, who is a doctor moved Kamala to Canada, uh, apparently allegedly for a job there. She went to um, uh, pretty much white, white schools. Um, She pretty much lived in a white neighborhood. She, from what I can read, didn't really have a whole lot of interaction with her father after the divorce. And her father has since come out and, you know, I, slammed her or anything like that but says yeah she's uh, she's not really African American and yeah we own slaves so you know the media this story doesn't say anything about that the headline is black Asian American Kamala Harris identity how it shaped her and what it means for voters black Asian American that's interesting that they're going this route because you know why they they realize that they can't really use the African American moniker which is that's what they want to do so now it's black Asian. American. And this woman, he, ha, you know, has no idea of her Caribbean heritage, by the way. I've seen some stories where she talks about, she called out one, she got slammed for basically um, saying that, or alleged, I guess, assuming, how do, we, how do we put it? She inferred that those in Jamaica are just potheads. Somebody asked her if she ever smoked pot, and she goes, What are you kidding me? I'm from Jamaica. Okay. She's not from Jamaica. Her dad's from Jamaica. Now, I have a little history here. My ex-wife is from Jamaica. She was born and raised in Jamaica, came to the United States around 18, I believe it was. And we went and got married in Jamaica. So here's a funny story. The, the, the stereotype of Jamaicans and the potheads is absolutely untrue. Uh, so here's the story. is We went down there. We got on the bus. We were going to go to the resort. Uh, my wife sat my at the time... Uh, she's not my ex-wife, whatever. She sat in the front seat, her wedding dress to the left of her. So I sat in a seat behind her and all of a sudden I heard her giggling. and I'm like, well, what's, what's so funny? She goes, that man over there is blowing kisses. And I looked over to this guy and he's taking his two fingers and kind of moving them back and forth from his mouth. And I go, Oh, he's not blowing you kisses. She goes, no, what's he doing? I go, he's asking if you want to buy marijuana. So, this is somebody who grew up in Jamaica, (laughs) had never, never tried drugs, never taken drugs, and she didn't even know what that meant, and she was in Jamaica. Kamala Harris doesn't know a damn thing about Jamaica, but, you know, black, Asian, American, Kamala Harris identity, how it shaped her and what it means for voters. Just a total glowing piece from NBC News in their biased, 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 biased reporting. So, Anyway, <laughs> we're going to move on from the Kamala Harris story and watch this train wreck because it is going to be a train wreck. It is not going to get better. It is going to get worse. She was a horrible, horrible campaigner, uh, and she uh, she's going to be a horrible campaigner again. And this is who they picked. Not one delegate did she achieve in the primary. She had to drop out because she did so poorly, blew through so much money. And now she's Biden's pick. All right, a couple of quick picks. And we'll take a break. And then on the other side of this, we're going to get into some media bias. Did you hear that former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg will speak at the Democrat National Convention? No? Yeah, me neither. I don't care. Who cares, right? Who cares what Bloomberg's going to do? They're going to put a little uh, uh, box on there so it can raise them up like they did in the debate. So Bloomberg is going to go there and give a, a speech and nobody's going to listen. And did you know that the democrat national conventions like next week huh? who knew who knew where's the hype well because it's going to be like a virtual one i guess but all right don't care bloomberg hey whatever uh big news here israel and the united arab emirates reach historic normal normalization deal brokered by the united states now is this going to be front page news for all of our wonderful media outlets no because it's going to be a good it's a good story for trump So he brokered a deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, which is phenomenal. That's a step in the right direction to destabilize or stabilize, I'm sorry, stabilize the Middle East. But there's a lot more work to do. You still have the Palestinians who want to destroy Israel. You still have other countries who want to destroy Israel. You still have other Middle Eastern countries like Iran that say death to America all the time. Did you see that story, by the way, in Iran a couple weeks ago? They they um, created a mock U.S. aircraft carrier and were going to blow it up just as some kind of, you know, display of strength and all that. And it sank in one of their harbors that was a main harbor and they couldn't get ships through. <laughs> so they they actually built up this huge mock-up of an American uh, aircraft carrier, brought it out to this, uh, this strait where, you know, major shipping comes through and the thing st- tipped over sank and it blocked a lot of ships from being able to get in and bring them supplies. So you just got to love what's going over. In so, But anyway, kudos to Trump and uh, Pompeo, secretary of state, that just awesome, awesome news, definite step in the right direction. And I, you know, Trump gets reelected, which he should, we're going to see more of this. Um, quick take poll, over a third of voters know someone who supports Trump but won't say so in public. Yeah, that right there is why Trump's going to win. There's a polling company called the Trav, I'm always going to get this name right, Trafalgar Group. Trafalgar Group in 2016 was the only one that called Michigan for Trump. And As you're aware, ultimately Trump won the election because it won Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. It was a 70,000 vote spread. Well, the Trafalgar group called it, and the way they called it was when they did their polling. They didn't ask who you're going to vote for. They they asked who you're going to vote for. Then they asked, who's your neighbor going to vote for? And then that person said, Trump. So listen to this headline again, and this is from Just the News, uh, and it's actually a great site too, justthenews.com. Poll, over a third of voters know someone who supports Trump but won't say so in public. The silent majority is alive and well, my friends. So don't think, don't think that there are not a lot of us out there. And you know what? Here, here's my thoughts on this. Is I'm getting sick and tired of being the silent majority. I think we need to speak up. And here's why I think it's so important to speak up. Because if we don't speak up, we're going to continue to allow this leftist crazy voice to to drown everybody out for fear of retaliation, for fear of being uh, uh, um, the scarlet letter placed around our neck. We allow these far left kooks to speak whatever voice they want to say in whatever crazy manner they want to say, demean us however they want to. Well, we just don't we just say anything because we don't want to cause trouble. You know, it's time that we speak out. It's time that we come out and we say, I'm a Trump supporter. I believe in this president. You know, I'll tell you how I feel about it. I mean, I always like the way he acts, but I love his policies. So say it loud, be proud, vote Trump. All right, when I get back, we're going to uncover some media bias, then have a little fun toward the end of it. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. And welcome back to the second segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. And of course, Woody still with me. He's my best audience member, by the way. So attentive. But if Woody, he's a dog, so he can't talk. If he would talk, he would ask you a favor to go on our YouTube channel, the PBL Podcast, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Of course, he only means subscribe once, but he likes to say it three times. All of our media channels, you can catch us with the handle, the PBL Podcast. I'm on TikTok and Twitter a lot. And TikTok, by the way, I was just mentioning earlier that with TikTok, or with conservative voices, that we... we we need to get our voices out there. And this is one of the reasons why I absolutely love TikTok because there are a lot of kids on TikTok, conservative kids on TikTok, and they are loud and proud. They're putting their voices out there and they're not letting anybody shame them. So this is one of the main reasons why I'm on TikTok and why I absolutely love being on that platform. So I do hope there's a wishy-washy word that they can resolve whatever it is that they need to resolve so we can stay they can stay open in the United States but if not you know say Sarah. uh it's been a fun platform but i think the most thing that is the the most thrilling thing about it is to see all these kids and yeah there are adults in there too but there are a lot of young people that support this president just out and loud support this president all right I'm going to get into some media bias. I'm going to bring up some the media headlines, and then I'm going to I'm going to show you how they they word the headlines and how they kind of twist the story. The first one I've already given you the headlines. NBC News. Now, if you go on the NBC News platform, their website, here's some of the headlines that you got. Of course, the Kamala Harris one, which I'm going to go in a little deeper to. Black Asian American Kamala Harris identify identity and how it shaped her. Okay. That's one of the headlines. And you got mom's homeschool course on black history takes off as parents grapple with teaching race. Man, they're really big in the race on MSNBC. Some sub-headline, Trump echoes baseless racist birther conspiracy theories about Harris. Uh, Another sub-headline, the sexist and racist attacks on Kamala Harris have begun. They feel too familiar. These are NBC's headlines, but it gets into this. The, The main headline is the one where it glowingly, glowingly talks about Kamala Harris. And they're now tying it. Before anything has even happened, by the way, um, with Trump, Trump has sent some you know negative words about Kamala Harris. But of course, she's his advers- adversary. So he's not going to say, oh, yeah, she's great. I love her. Yeah, good pick, Joe. I think he did say good pick, though, sarcastically. But anyway, this is where it kind of struck me in this... Um, um, article here. Uh, It says, uh, you know, her selectionist Joe Biden's running mate on Wednesday cemented Harris's place in American history and catalyzed discussions around race in the political sphere. sphere." You know, the first black Democrat elected to the Senate was a female, Karen Mosley-Brown, 1996. It took until 1996 for the first black female elected Democrat as a senator. Democrat. So, E, you're probably saying, well, the Republicans took longer. Really? Hiram Rhodes Revels was elected to the United States Senate as a Republican. He's a black man. In 1827. Yep, 1827 to 1901. Yeah, okay, that's a one-offy. That's just one. Okay, yeah, yeah, nope, it wasn't. And we're just talking the Senate here. Blanche Bruce, Republican, elected to the Senate in 1841. He served from 1841
1: to 1898. All right, no, you
0: got two, two. Uh, two doesn't mean much. Okay. Uh In 1919, Edward Brooke Black man, Republican, elected to the Senate. He served from nineteen nineteen to two thousand and five. It wasn't until actually not nineteen ninety-six, January third, nineteen ninety-three, till a Democrat that finally got elected to the Senate. So these progressive Democrats took them till nineteen ninety-three. Karen Carol Mosley Braun Braun. And then, and that was out of Illinois, she was I think replaced by the next well, the next black to be elected to the Senate was none other than Barack Obama, Illinois, and then uh, the third black elected to the Senate, Roland Burris, then uh, 2010 he took over the seat from Obama. That that's it. That's three, three. Fourth was Mo Cowan. He's a Democrat. But Tim Scott, Republican, he was elected in 2013. Mo Cowan, Democrat, 2013. And of course, Cory Brooker, 2013. And Kamala Harris, 2017. So, you know, you if you want to throw the female thing out as first, great. But you can't throw the black out as first. I'm sorry. It's just not true. You know, the first black people elected into higher office of either Senate or Congress were black and they were Republican. They were Republican. I'm sorry, the first Republicans were black. I just twisted that off. Let me try this all over. So the first blacks elected into either house of Congress were Republicans. The Democrats didn't take, it took them till 1993 to elect a black person in the Senate. But the media makes it sound as if, oh my gosh, they're transcending race. Oh, the Democrats. They only give this kudos to the Democrats. So that's NBC. They're all about race right now. I mean, oof, their whole site, if you look at it, just unbelievable. Now, ABC is now we're getting into uh, <clears throat> UP, United States Postal Service stuff. Here's an ABC headlines. Trump suggests... He opposed United States Postal Service funding to hurt mail-in voters and then says he won't. No, he didn't say that at all. So it says here, Trump has for weeks railed against mail-in voting, making numerous false claims that he repeats repeats regularly in a bid to question the integrity of the upcoming election by asserting that mail-in voting will lead to voter voter fraud. Meanwhile, the president on Wednesday requested a mail-in ballot from the elections authority in Palm Beach County, Florida. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't think this is the same thing as the mail-in, right? I think President Trump requested a, wait for it, absentee ballot, not a mail-in ballot because we don't have mail-in ballots yet. That's something that we're still talking about. So that right there is misleading but this is what the media does. And now what's the difference between mail-in ballots and absentee ballots? Well, a mail-in ballot is mailed to your house. You don't request it. It's just mailed to your house. Then you return it in. Absentee ballot, you have to request, which means identification process. It's two totally different things. So ABC News is misleading you there's a big surprise, right? Now let's look over at uh, CBS. What is CBS doing over here? If you want to look at their headlines at CBS. Okay. Eye-opener. Biden calls for U.S. mask mandate. That's an eye-opener? And no, it's not. Uh, extreme wildfire rip- wildfire rips through area north of LA. That's a good story to have on your front page. CDC warns of worst fall ever if COVID 19 guidelines ignored. Uh oh, uh oh, more fear, more fear. So the latest news here it is, wait for it. Postal Service warns some mail in votes may not be counted in Pennsylvania. The delays could present an overwhelming statewide risk of disenfranchisement, according to the Pennsylvania. State Department. Hello, right there in your headline, uh, CBS News. This is a reason why not to have mail in voting, right? I mean, that right there tells you. And then they also have the misleading headline about Trump and his mail in. It says Trump requests mail in ballot ahead of Florida's primary election. It's an absentee ballot, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a mail in ballot. That is a big, big difference. And of course, there's subheadline again. Biden and Harris calls for three-month nationwide mask mandate. And do they tell us that Biden, what he can't do it? No. Former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris are calling for a three-month ma- nationwide mask mandate to limit the spread of coronavirus. During a briefing by public health experts in Wilmington, Biden, the presumptive Democrat presidential nominee, told reporters that all the nation's governors should require this. Okay, well, that, you you know, that's all you can do is tell them it, and you can't do anything else. Every single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. Outside? Every governor should mandate mandatory mask wearing, Biden said, suggesting that widespread mask use could save 40,000 lives over the next three months. Let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. Okay, let's see here. Nowhere in the article does it say... It repeats harrison line but that's what real leadership looks like that's it that's it that's it doesn't just uh, I, hey maybe that's where they should be going rather than telling us their opinions but it doesn't give you any facts it's just telling you what biden said it's just regurgitating biden's lines so again you know cbs not as bad as some of the other ones so let's let's check out cnn all right cnn trump's falsehoods threaten U.S. democracy. The president's misleading claims about non-existing fraud in mail-in voting undermines the integrity of November's election. All right, now here's what Trump is saying about this. And I'm going to play a clip for you in a little bit. What Trump is saying basically is the Postal Service, one, doesn't have the money to do this, nor are they set up to do it. That's not a falsehood. That's true. That's absolutely true. But the media... Is saying this as Trump's misleading claims about non-existent fraud in mail-in voting undermines the integrity. And there is existing evidence of fraud of mail-in voting. I played uh, a clip for you a couple weeks ago. Um, I forget what news outlet did it, but they did a mock mail-in ballot. They put they created a post. They got a post office box. They took a hundred mail-in ballots, mailed them from all around different areas, and. 97 of them came back. Zero came back without them having to actually ask the post office where they were. The post office it never showed up in their PO box. They actually had to go to the post office, had to talk to people and say, hey, I need you to look into this. We don't have these ballots. Finally, the post office found them, but they were missing three of the 97. Now you're saying, "Eh, that's not a lot. Three percent. That's not a lot. Really? If 165 million people vote, that's like 4 million votes. It is a lot. Another uh, headline on CNN, Trump promotes a birther lie about Kamala Harris. All right, let's, let's dig into this one a little bit because he doesn't promote a birther lie. First off, this is how this starts. Um... Trump was told about claims on social media. Okay, Trump was told about claims on social media that Harris might be ineligible to serve as president and vice president. He was then asked if he can definitively say that she meets the requirements. And what do, what do we mean? What, is, what does the article mean, he was told about claims? Was, did a Did a reporter ask this? Did a reporter tell him? It doesn't say that here. But then it goes on to say he was then asked if he can definitively say that she meets the requirements. Now take that with the headline, fact check. Trump promotes another birther lie, this time about Kamala Harris. What? How did he promote it? He was asked a question. If he wasn't asked a question, he probably wouldn't say anything. Trump said, I heard today that she doesn't meet the requirements. He referred to a lawyer who raised the issue in a Newsweek article, a Newsweek article. Uh, Chapman University professor John Eastman as very highly qualified. Okay, he is. Trump then said he has no idea whether it's true Harris doesn't meet the requirements. He then asked the reporter if she was saying Harris doesn't qualify because Harris wasn't born in this country. So is that promoting a birth or lie? Or is that a reporter asking Trump questions and the reporter going not, you know, not really asking the right questions or trying to ask a misleading question to get an trap the president. But that doesn't work on Trump, but they keep doing it. In no way can you say this was Trump promoting another birther lie. This was the media trying to get you in a gotcha moment. Now here's a little bit of backstory on this whole Kamala Harris birther thing. Her parents were immigrants to this country, and allegedly when she was born in this country, they were not U.S. citizens. So there's some, and that's where this um, professor, John Eastman, says that technically that may not make her a natural born citizen which would make her ineligible to be the president or vice president according to our constitution now that may be true i'm not saying it is i'm not getting in this birther moment I don't, I don't have any dog in this fight but here's the deal so what who you know, forget this, the the, the, Trump, the Obama stuff that came up. Who's going to do anything about it? How do you do anything about it? This is a question I posed on Twitter when somebody brought this up. I mean, what do you do about it? I mean, who's, who's going to take it to court? Because that's what would have to happen. Nobody's going to take it to court. This is red meat for the media to try to paint Trump as some kind of anti-birther thing again like they did with Obama. But this one's even weaker than that one. So CNN, par for the course for CNN. Now MSNBC, they take the cake. Okay, so MSNBC, uh, I'm going to play you a clip. And again, this is their headline: Trump admits he opposes USPS funding because it would help Americans vote by mail. Now, what I, one thing I respect about MSNBC is they they don't they don't pull any punches. They flat out they're They put their leftism right there for everybody to see. So let me play a clip. This is uh, Mika Brzezinski on The Morning Joe. Uh Trump adding new fuel to
2: the claims that he is trying to tip the scales of the election by sabotaging efforts to vote by mail. He went on the record. President Trump adding new fuel to we're going to begin, though, with President Trump adding new fuel to the claims that he is trying to tip the scales of the election by sabotaging efforts to vote by mail. He went on the record yesterday admitting that he opposes additional funding for the post office because it would help mail-in voting.
1: They want $3.5 uh, billion dollars for the mail-in votes, okay, universal mail-in ballots. Three and a half trillion. They want $25 billion, billion. Billion. For the post office. Now they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. Now, in the meantime, they aren't getting there. By the way, those are just two items. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail in voting because they're not equipped to have it. If the post office, if they're not going to approve a bill, and the post office therefore won't have the money, and if they're not going to approve a big bill, a bigger bill, and they're not gonna have the three and a half billion dollars for the universal mail-in votes, how can you have those votes? Given that the negotiations are still ongoing about whether to get more money to the postal service, why not put more resources and more money yourself? Find a way to do that to make sure there isn't... Well, they can do it very easily. All they have to do is make a deal. If they make a deal, the postal service is taken care of, the money they need for the mail-in ballots would be taken care of if we agree to it. That doesn't mean we're going to agree to it, but all they have to do is make a deal.
2: Okay, so here's the thing. It's the quiet part that you're saying out loud when you're trying to cheat, you know, using your whole corruption stuff that you do. I know you watch. Do you think Americans are that ditzy? You think they're not gonna hear you actually saying the quiet part out loud that you want to cheat?
0: So there you have it. Media bias at its finest. And you, you know, you've got to really learn to read between headlines. You've got to learn to understand what they're not telling you uh, versus what they are telling you. One, one tip that I give when reading anything, you know, the headlines are designed for clickbait. They're designed to get eyeballs to the screen, or as I like to say, earballs to audio. So, First and foremost, remember that. The second thing is what they really want to tell you won't be until the very end of the article. In the last two paragraphs is you'll get the meat of the article. Uh, When I was in college, I had a professor who was a PR manager, a PR person. And what she told us was that this is done deliberately because people have such short attention spans that they won't read all the way down. So make it a habit. Make it a best practice to read all the way down. All right, let's take a, a shift and let's get into some fun stuff. Let's just end this day uh, going into a weekend. If you're listening to this one, uh, it's released on a Friday. If you're listening to this on a Saturday, this is going into a Sunday. If you're listening to this on a Sunday, well, going into your new week. Here are some fun facts and strange news. Let's have a little fun. Um, by the way, I- I'm totally switching gears here and not talking politics or anything. We're just going to take a huge pivot and end this podcast with some fun facts. Did you know pigeons have an incredible ability to remember human faces? In fact, if you chase or feed a pigeon even once, it will remember you in the future. Hey, full disclosures, I absolutely hate pigeons, they are the most disgusting birds ever. I mean, they crap all over the place. They, they're, they're aggressive. I call them rats with wings. So I'm going to be one of those people they remember chasing them away. <laughs> all right. First time a computer successfully ran a piece of software was June of 1948. A computer in England ran a program that was basically... Just a calculator. 1948. When no- this is interesting, when I didn't know this, when Nokia was founded in Finland in 1865, it made toilet paper and other paper products that didn't get into communication it didn't get into communications until a 100 years later. Nokia was founded making toilet paper. Did not know that. In 1990, Crayola's senior crayon maker retired after 37 years and revealed he was actually colorblind. Arnold Schwarzenegger got paid $75,000 for the first Terminator movie and 15 million for Terminator 2. What's left out of here, he was also given a Learjet um, by the production too. That was part of his salary. And he also, I believe, got points in the back end of the movie, which means if it achieves certain numbers, he got more money. So he made more than 15 million on that. And kudos to him. By the way, Terminator 2 is an excellent movie. So, Here's something. It's a little. I don't say personal, but I can resonate with this. Here's an article, a story, and then I'm gonna we're gonna end this the show on this note. Um, here's the title, and then I'll get into it. You can soon reserve a sleepover at the world's last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. Now. I, years ago, many, many years ago, spent 10 years of my life working for Blockbuster Entertainment, and I got to tell you, it was one of the best experiences ever. I started with them a long time ago, before they were just this huge household name, and I got to be a part of that growth, opening up store after store. I had to have opened over, I don't know, or been responsible for overseeing at least over... um, hundreds of stores. I mean, there's so many stores that I've opened up for Blockbuster in my career with them. And it was so much fun. At the time, they had so much money. The running joke was open the doors and count the cash. And it was just a blast. I got to see a lot of movies. I met a lot of uh, movie stars. I did a stint in their Blockbuster music, met a lot of musicians. What a great time. And when I talk to people about Blockbuster, and some of you are probably thinking of it right now, your experiences going to the neighborhood Blockbuster store, it was actually an awesome time. Now, but here's, before I get into this story, I'm going to give you a little uh, wonkiness of Blockbuster. Technology did not kill Blockbuster. That's right. Technology did not kill Blockbuster. Blockbuster killed Blockbuster. Effective leadership. Wayne Heisinga who blew it up to what it was, he wasn't the one who started it. A guy by the name of David Cook started that, started it. Wayne Hyzinga blew it up and I used to say when Hyzinga sells it get out. Well Hyzinga sold it to Viacom because they needed the cash that Blockbuster was sitting on to purchase Paramount Pictures. And once that happened, innovation stopped. Did you know that the executives at Redbox went to Blockbuster not once but twice for either investments or to purchase them? One time they went there just to be to ask Blockbuster to purchase them outright. Blockbuster laughed them out of the room look at where Netflix is now. Redbox, same thing. Blockbuster said, no, look where Redbox, they're still around, won't be around for much longer, in my opinion. And then Blockbuster just didn't change. They had an iconic brand, an iconic brand. 89% of people knew the Blockbuster brand and they just let it go away. So anyway, the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon has been in operation for a while. It was an old franchise when the company fell apart. They're just an independent Movie chain now. But in order to survive, they're turning their blockbuster video store into a b and setting it up as if it's in the 90s and you can go rent this. And it's not for much money either, from what I uh, gather in the article. It's the you can rent it for the cost of a movie and experience what it was like back in the 90s in your blockbuster days. So kudos to them. I hope it's a huge, huge success. I hope it's just a phenomenal success for them it says store manager sandy harding who has operated the Ben store since 2004 told channel news channel 21 Tuesday the Ben community has kept the business going now it is offering people a chance to live the 90s by transforming the store into an Airbnb for a limited time three nights of sleepovers with all the video fun you can handle if you close your eyes and think about the 90s that's what the room is gonna look like and uh, I don't you know again I wish them well, but it says here the reservation reservation cost is $4 per night. I don't know how you make money on that. I'm sure there's something I'm not seeing in here, but kudos to them. I hope it's a huge success. Please do uh, like, share, follow all of our platforms. Get on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I'm going to be putting out um, unique content content outside of the podcast to that. Woody has got a huge ask for you to go and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on all our media platforms, the PBL podcast, and of course our website, pblpodcast.com. Have a great, great weekend. If you're listening to this on Friday, if you waited and listening to it in the back catalog on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, have a great West of your week. Thanks for listening to the PBL podcast.